us to hear your voice, pull out your wisdom, let us have soft hearts. Amen. Great. Do you guys want to take a seat? Great. Well, thank you so much for coming back this afternoon. You guys are like the troopers. It's lovely to, to be with you. Um, yeah, as uh, Mike mentioned previously, uh, my mum was actually due to do this slot this afternoon. Uh, but she was unable to be here. And so uh, if whatever is helpful this afternoon, assume that's her content. Uh, anything that you like, that's a bit dodge. Just assume that's mine. That's cool. Um, so this is kind of an amalgamation of two generations in my family saying stuff to you. So I hope in some way this is, this is helpful. Um, we started off um, by looking at leading up. Um, all those two days ago. We then um, moved into uh, Glyn coming and speaking to us around sex and relationships and telling about a story. Uh, then yesterday, um, we heard from Kira in the morning and Martha around um, being at one with your call and being aware of our own pride and our own privilege in leadership and our responsibility within that. Uh, and then yesterday afternoon, being at one with God, Tiva came and just shared so brilliantly. Um, and this afternoon, before we finish, before we go uh, back to the main room, I'm going to just spend a few minutes talking about what it means to be at one with life. Um, what does it look like for us to be whole, healthy people, whole, healthy leaders, whole, healthy god uh, shining individuals where all of our lives are in sync, all of our lives are in a healthy rhythm of rest and work and life. Um, what does that look like for us? Um, so much of, I'm going to say this afternoon, may well um, feel like common sense, but so often, as I've looked into this more and more and reflected on it more and more about me, I'm astounded at how little I put common sense into practice. And so I'm hoping that this afternoon we might move a little more, uh, a little closer to that common sense. Um, for those of you who have not met me, my name is Laura. Um, I work for British Youth for Christ. Uh, I'm part of the leadership team there. I'm proud to say that to people and they're surprised uh, that I'll be allowed to, to be on a leadership team. Uh, it's okay, you know, I think they just, they humour me. Um, and I uh, serve at Life Central Church in Hales Owen. My husband is the next gen pastor, so I'm married to Andy, who you heard on the first day. Um, and this stuff is, I really believe, like I said, common sense, but deeply, deeply important. Um, I believe that if we get this stuff, then it actually changes the shape of our leadership. It changes the shape of our future. Um, but I, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that as we go on. Um, this really is about developing a lifestyle that carries our calling and developing a character that carries our calling as well. How do we do that? and How do we honor God? So I want to start with a Bible passage. I want to start in Galatians. Because this Bible passage uh, really says has so much wisdom and says so much of really what I'm going to share. Um, this is Galatians 6, verses 4 and 5. Make careful exploration of who you are and the work that you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself to others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. You know, if we begin to unpack that and think it through, they're really really is so much wisdom uh, in this first sentence, making a careful exploration of who you are. A lot of what I'm going to talk about today really comes down to you knowing you. 
You being self-aware, you knowing what energizes you, you knowing what drains you, you knowing what a, thanks, you knowing what a healthy rhythm looks like for you, knowing yourself, knowing your triggers, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, and actually as a leader, knowing that about the people you lead as well. And then you move on to, okay, well, that's, if that's not enough to think about, um, what about the work that you've been given? What is it that you are called to do? That you as an individual are the right shape for? What are the passions and giftings that God has put in your heart that are different to the person next to you? What's the song that God has called you to sing in your generation? What is the, the, the um, I, I'm going to talk about it in a bit, but I believe we are all creatives. What, what is the medium of art that God has called you to paint with? What is your makeup? What is it that is about you that is different to everybody else that God wants to call out and say to a generation? Knowing that is vital. And then sink yourself into it. Put this into your rhythms. Put this into your daily walk. And when you do that, you won't be impressed with yourself because you'll know yourself and you'll know you're not all that great all the time. You don't compare yourself with others because you know that your race is different to theirs. And then we take responsibility for doing the creative best that we can with our own life. Do you know, as leaders in this room, we all come with baggage. We come with backgrounds. We come with history, with bruises. Um... There are certain things that will have happened to us and been a part of our makeup so far that we can't control. Um, whether it be family background, whether it be uh, the culture that you come from, whether it be your gender, whether it be your personality makeup. Some of, so much of this is actually, to an extent, out of our control. And so God asks you simply to do the creative best with what you've got. With all that's going on with you, with all of your baggage, God says, be a good steward of what I give you and do the creative best with what you have. And so really this is what we're going to be looking at this afternoon. Um, if we go on to the next slide. So we're gonna focus on managing our well-being and our energy, and then using our energy and our well-being to honor God and serve others. You know, so often in leadership, or when leaders get tired, or when people get tired, the solution is, well, I just need to manage my time better. I'm not sure that's true. I think we actually need to manage our energy better and manage our well-being better, and then our time management kind of takes care of itself. And not only doing that to get the best out of us, but get, get the best out of other people around us as well. So, if you take one thing away from today, is this next slide. Go, cool, thank you. Managing our energy and well-being. You are more like a peach than an orange. As you leave today, remember, you are peachy. Now, what I mean by that is, um, so often we will go about our lives, we will do our thing, and we section off parts of our lives. Someone asks, how are you? And my head goes, how am I? Okay. Work is good. Work's good. Yeah, 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 family's good. Yeah, I'm getting some spare time. That's cool. Ah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And we think of our lives in these sections, that if things are going well in all of these different sections, then we are good. Actually, we are much more like peaches and oranges. We are not segmented off. We are not created to be separate segments in each of our lives. We are created to be whole beings. And so, so often, if, you, um, if one part of your life is going really badly or is a real struggle or a real drain, that cannot help but affect your ministry. That cannot help but affect your family life. If your finances are bad, that's going to have a knock-on effect to your relationships. We view ourselves as oranges, um, but actually, really, we, we are peachy. And so, um, if you're eating loads of junk food, that's going to affect you. And, and I mean it into the detail. Depend how deep you take this is really the thing. If you're someone, I just, Mackies. Mackies all, all day long. 
like his breakfast, little, little, little bit on the side. Oh, it's all right. They're doing the uh, Monopoly at the minute. I'm just going to... I know it's finished. That grieved me. But if we're, if we're eating junk food, actually, that's going to affect our mindset. It's going to affect our mental health. It's going to affect our energy levels, even down to how we eat, our rhythms. If you're not sleeping enough, you're a peach, you're not an orange. That's going to affect you. It's going to affect how you relate to people the next day. We need to be thinking about this as we, as we put these rhythms in our lives. Um, many of us, well, I, I'm, I'm really bad at going to bed. I'm like, I don't know, I'm like this kid that never wants to go to bed. And so my husband has to send me to bed. Um, no, not in a weird way. Like, he has to just like... Come on, Laura, it's bedtime. Go to bed. Go to bed. And I will, I have this weakness. Like, some of you guys will stay up playing Fortnite. Some of you guys will stay up watching Netflix. <laughs> I stay up watching music channels. I can't even explain it. I love watching music videos. And so, literally, my husband and I will sit there till two in the morning just watching, like, oh, top ten videos at the moment, whatever. And we just guess what the next one is. We have a lovely time. And I think I do that, and it doesn't affect anything else. If I create that as a rhythm in my life, not just a one-off, but a rhythm, actually that affects my leadership. That affects my relationship. That will affect the fact that the next morning I'll wake up in a bad mood. The next day when something happens, I'm going to be slightly more anxious than I normally would have been. We, think, we don't think about these things as we do them, but we need to be intentional about how we look after ourselves, how we speak. Do we gossip about people? If you're talking about people behind your back, that affects your leadership, that affects your relationship. And so all of these parts of our lives come together to form the leader that God is calling us to be. So, if you're a leader, and if you have these rhythms in your life that maybe aren't the best rhythms, if we think about them, what we need to be aware of, not only to do this to be the very best that we can be for God, but other people that you're leading are looking at your life and thinking, oh, that's what a leader does. And so what are you multiplying by the people that you lead watching you and thinking, oh, okay, that's how we do things around here. I didn't get enough sleep last night, so someone challenged me in a meeting, and so I just went, can you, can you just, can we talk about that later? That's not, a pro I don't want to talk about that now. Or we snap. Oh, it's okay to do that. It's not okay to do that, but I was up last night watching music videos, so I'm pretty tired, and that's how I'm going to treat you. All of this stuff comes together to form the person that God, uh, that God is, is, is molding us almost away from in some of these, in some of these characteristics. So... I want to look at a quick Bible verse, and I want to, to get your take on it. Okay, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head were some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah has this kind of 
some sort of breakdown, some sort of place where he's like, I just don't want to live anymore, I'm done. And I want you guys to just chat a minute about how God responds to that. How God responds to him hitting burnout, hitting emptiness, hitting I can't go on anymore. So could we go to the next slide? Could you have a quick chat about these questions with the people around you? Is that okay? This is just like a couple of minutes. Have a chat through these three questions. If you want to get it up, 1 Kings 19. Um, yeah, and ha- have a little chat about, about what you think about this. Awesome. Was there anything that stood out to you about this? Anything that you thought, okay, I see this here. This is relevant that you'd, you'd maybe like to share. Anything that was discussed that you thought, oh, that's interesting? Um, we were just talking about how when you see that Elijah gets to the point of breakdown, that God was almost like providing the steps to get him out of that place. And it wasn't like, come on, you need to go from a one to a 10 straight away. But actually that God was just giving him the little bits that he needed. So get something to eat, get something to drink, like go from that and it's slowly but surely and then after God was like so what were you doing like trying to understand what got you to that place uh, I noticed Elijah was obedient he was honest with God to start with and then as when the angel came and said go up and eat he did I mean it seems obvious you'd eat when there's food there but still he was obedient in what God wanted him to do yeah and do you know that sounds like a simple thing but the amount of people even this morning having a conversation with someone that they know that they're too tired. They know that they're too busy. They know that their rhythms aren't right. And yet they can't stop. For whatever reason, they know that God is saying, slow down. But no, but I, I've said I've committed to this. I've said I'll do this. In, t- in, in, in six months, I can slow down. And how long does it take us when God says, hey, healthy rhythms, eat meals, eat properly, rest. When was the last time you spent time with anyone and just relaxed? When was the last time you actually worked really hard and it gave you life? And God's speaking this over you, and yeah, we go, well, yeah, no, but I, I, can't, I can't do that now. I'm busy. I've got all these commitments. You know, sometimes when God speaks and says this stuff, being obedient is much more difficult than it sounds. You know, what I love about this passage um, is that after this, after this, these few verses, it's the sexy bit, like the Insta story bit, the stuff that you put on social media. After this part is the part where it's like, okay come out into the mouth of, of, to the mouth of the cave and I'm going to speak to you when there's an earthquake and there's wind and there's fire, but God's voice is in the whisper. We hear that a lot and we hear a lot of talks on that section of the Bible. No one speaks about this bit that much though. And he couldn't have heard God's whisper if he hadn't have gone through this bit first. If God hadn't have gotten him and he hadn't have gotten himself to a place where he could hear the whisper of God, then actually the sexy bit would never have happened. And so this is the foundation to where the Insta stories start. This bit is the foundation to the bit of ministry where everyone goes, oh, that's so cool. You know, if this bit wasn't in place, he would never have been able to hear the quiet whisper of God into a situation that was actually really important. So, recap. Uh, Go next slide. How did the Lord deal with Elijah's breakdown? He fed him twice. He rested him. He hydrated him. He gave him time to reflect. He had a spiritual encounter. He met with God in the quietness. He met with other people. And then, at that point, get back to your work. Get back to what I've called you to do. Get back to the thing that is your thing that I have called you to be your creative best at. Get back to the situation that you've left. Um, If we go to the next slide, that'd be great. You know, so often we know that God cares about every part of our life. We know that. And God deals with us as whole people. And he expects us to do the same with ourselves. Um, 
I had a situation at work in this last week or so that I would love to share the details of, but it's still live, so I can't really go into it. But um, it was a situation, is a situation, that um, required me to really be quite stressed out. It didn't require me to be stressed out. I ended up being stressed out because of what it required of me. Um, it was a solution that needed solving, and uh, there was a time limit on it, and uh, a lot of, it was an important decision, and I ended up getting really stressed out about it, because I'm trying to like think, I love thinking, I love it, but sometimes the unhealthy side of that, and this is about knowing myself, is that I think in circles, and my brain can't stop, and I get myself into this pickle. Um, and so I was thinking, 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 I would go home, and I would think about it, I was having dreams about conversations at work as to how this situation would end, I don't know if you get yourself into this. And the deadline for me having a solution to this problem was coming, and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. And I remembered some of this whole life stuff. And I just said, God, I, I don't know. I don't know how to solve this. So you're going to have to tell me. And in the meantime, I'm going to go and have a nice time. So on Saturday, I thought, I just need to rest. So uh, I went to um, Digbeth Dining Club, which is like a food, uh, food festival thing by us. I went and watched a band play. I just, I just fed the rest of me. Um, I spent some time with God, I read my Bible. By mid-afternoon on Sunday, I knew exactly what I needed to do. Why? Because I realized that I dug myself so deep into this one area, the rest of me, I was tired, I was exhausted, I was stressed out. Actually, that bit needed feeding of me before I could really get back on track with thinking to the solution to this problem. And so, so often, sometimes we get ourselves into these, these, these thought patterns and these situations, and really what we need to do is be feeding the rest of us, giving the rest of us a bit of a break, letting our time process and um, our brain process and rest before we crack on. And so, it's really important you know yourself. It's important that you know what energizes you. It's important that you know what gives you life. That in situations where you are struggling, when you're maybe having this Elijah moment, what are the things that you need to do to breathe life back into the rest of who you are? I love going for walks in the countryside. For me, that's a real life giver. For someone I work with, he's terrified his shoes are going to get dirty. That is not his thing. What are the things that bring you life? What are the things that when you're, when you're really pushed, that you, maybe you need time on your own, Maybe you just need some fun. Maybe you need other people and community. What are the things that are going to bring you life when you're in situations that others might struggle? Um, if you haven't, I know I always say this, but if you haven't done StrengthsFinder, um, it's this kind of personality online testing. It's really helpful to know you and know uh, what are maybe some of the weaknesses, what are some of the things that are going to drain you, what are some of the things that are going to energize you. Um, it's a, there's a book you can get on Amazon. There's a little code in the back. You do a little test online. You get sort of five strengths through that kind of describe a bit about who you are and they all mix together and it's great um but that really helped me give me language as to what's going to exhaust me what's going to give me energy what's going to help me manage my my energy loads better so um I would love to do a little thing with you a little test do you guys have uh, your books still or do you have paper or a phone would work so little journals yeah um so I'm gonna if we could have the next slide up um we've talked um quite a lot about kind of energy and so I would love to do like you know those little questionnaires in the back of magazines when you're a teenager oh I'm so old when I was a teenager um so what I would love you to do is there are 16 questions okay and if you could write like one to 16 down your piece of paper and then maybe put a line after every four so put a line after eight no four <laughs> I can't even do maths a line after eight I struggle with that then a line after 12 
uh, and they're, they're going to be split into different sections, these questions, okay? So I'm going to read them through, and um, I would love you to put an X next to the ones that you think that is true of me. Okay. Um, maybe just kind of look at me intently when you have written 116. Look at some intent looks. Yeah, they're getting there. Okay. So, can we go to the next slide, please? So, can you put an X next to the number if this is true of you? Mind. I have difficulty focusing on one thing at a time. I'm easily distracted during the day, especially by my emails. I think this would be true also of phone notifications. Two. I spend much of my day reacting to immediate crises and demands rather than focusing on activities with long-term value and high leverage. So like you're responsive to the immediate rather than thinking big picture and kind of uh, operating that way. Three, I don't take enough time for reflection, strategizing and creative thinking. Four, I work in the evenings or on weekends and I almost never take an email-free holiday. Okay. Spirit. Five, I don't spend long enough, I don't spend enough time at work doing what I do best and I enjoy most. And maybe if you're not working or it's an internship or it's voluntary, maybe think of it as a whole life thing. Six, there are significant gaps between what I say is most important to me in my life and how I actually allocate my time and energy. Seven, my decisions at work are more often, or maybe in life, are often more influenced by external demands than by a strong, clear sense of my own purpose. Eight, I don't invest enough time and energy in making a positive difference to others or to the world. Next eight. Thank you. Body. I don't regularly get at least seven to eight hours of sleep, and I often wake up feeling tired. Now, oh, to be clear, not everybody needs seven or eight hours sleep, so if you don't, maybe focus on the feeling tired bit. Uh, number 10, I frequently skip breakfast, or I settle for something that isn't nutritious. Had some little murmurs there. Um, 11, I don't work out enough, as in meaning cardiovascular training at least three times a week and strength training at least once a week. Look at you fine specimens, I'm sure that's not true. Uh, 12, I don't take regular breaks during the day to truly renew and recharge, or I often eat my lunch at my desk or on the go uh, if I eat at all. Emotions, I frequently find myself feeling irritable, impatient or anxious at work, especially when things are demanding. If you're not sure, ask the people around you if you're an irritable person. That helps. Uh, 14, I don't have enough time with my family and loved ones. And when I'm with them, I'm not always really with them. Next one, I have too little time for the activities that I deeply enjoy. And finally, I don't stop frequently enough to express my appreciation to others or to savor my accomplishments and my blessings. Okay. Can we count up our X's? Can we go to the next slide? Here we go. So, 0 to 3, 4 to 6, 7 to 10, 11 to 16. So, uh, I'll just let you know yourselves what you scored on that, or peer at the person next to you if you're competitive and see if you did better than them. Um, but they're interesting questions to ask ourselves. And also, I think, kind of highlight the, the, the segments of our lives that we might consider don't actually matter that much. 
having time to thank other people, what we eat for breakfast, doing some exercise, doing stuff that deeply energizes us and we deeply enjoy. Um, so we're going to whiz through, just for a sec, different categories and different areas of well-being that we might want to consider. So, next one. Thank you so much. Our physical well-being. Um, do we have regular recovery breaks? Um, so we work, we might work for an hour and a half and then have a break. That's the best way to work. Um, and holidays and little and often works best. You know, in our schooling system in the UK, it is an absolute nightmare for the way that we work best. You're, you work for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and then you get like six weeks off. Or that is not the best way to operate. Other schooling systems around the world actually work much better and get better results because they maybe are in school for two or three weeks and then they have a break. Two or three weeks, you have a break. Two or three weeks, you have a break. The way we do it isn't good, and that is how we have learned to operate. Push hard. I just need to get through to my holiday. If I can just make it through to June, it's going to be okay. We weren't made to just make it through. And so we need to be making sure that we are putting in breaks regularly, whether that be in the, in the micro in 90 minutes or in the macro in terms of our holidays. Sleep. Our sleep is really important. Uh, you should be getting about seven hours sleep. It will vary from person to person. Um, could you just put your hand in the air if you sleep with your phone by your bed? Do you, okay, who sleeps with their phone in their hand? You laugh, some people put their hands out pretty quick then. I'm sure there are some people. Do you know, it's really bad for us. It is so bad for us. If you want to revolutionize your life, for a week, try sleeping with your phone in a different room. I promise you, you will notice a difference. I honestly guarantee it. Um, there's this whole, there's all these studies done around our phones. Um, and when we've got our phones close to us, our bodies are constantly on high alert because our bodies and our brain wiring are ready for the notifications to go off. So we're constantly like, and, and the notifications come through all red and angry, like, like it's an emergency. And so our bodies are like, oh my gosh, anything could happen at any minute that I'll need to respond to immediately. And so our brains are constantly firing on high alert and actually exhausting us. And so if you honestly, just one thing that you take away from this, just try the peach thing and try sleeping with your phone in a different room for a week and see what it does. It's incredible. And so our sleep is really, really important. It's so important that it's not disturbed. Um, our diets are really important. Um, unless you are involved in high energy, physical exercise, try not to eat carbs at lunchtime. Bread, pasta. Do you know what? You'll get to like three o'clock and all you'll be ready for is a nap. Let's be eating really well at lunchtime, giving us the maximum energy to go through the rest of the day. Our diets are so, so important. Hydration. Drinking, I don't drink enough. I know it sounds a little thing, but it makes so much difference when we are drinking and hydrated that our brains are fully functioning. Um, having exercise, 10 to 30 minutes of active um, exercise each day. So 150 minutes a week. That could be walking, that could be running, it could be, you know, um, if you are not an exerciser, I want to suggest Couch to 5K to you. It's an app. It's awesome. It's so good. The people who I know hate running the most have done that, and now they run. Um, if you think, I need to get more exercise in my life, but I don't know how to do this, Couch to 5K app is absolutely brilliant. I'd really recommend it. Um, yeah, your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's brilliant. Next one. Um, do you know, we, life expectancy is getting longer. Um, life expectancy in our country is growing. Um, males, uh, uh, life expectancy has increased from 70.8 years um, to 79.1 years now. And for females, it's gone from 76.8 to 82.8. You are going to have your body for longer. 
So it is really, really important that you are looking after it. Um, yeah, physical. Okay, next one. Our mental well-being. Um, connecting to other people is really, really, really important. And when I say connecting, I don't mean messaging on your phone. I mean actual, genuine relationship with other people. Um, the biggest killer is recorded for over 70s is loneliness. Um, our nation is more lonely than it has ever been. I genuinely believe that. More connected, but more lonely. And so even as followers of Jesus, we need to be representing what it means to have genuine connected with people. Keeping active is really important for our mental well-being. Physical exercise, if you have anxiety, if you have depression, um, exercise releases chemicals in your brain that really combat some of that stuff. So if you are someone who is anxious, if you are someone who really struggles with their mental health, again, you might hate running couch to 5K. It really is awesome. Go for a walk. Do something. Physical exercise makes so much difference. Um, keeping learning is really important. Our brains need stimulation. Uh, language learning is really good. Read books, listen to audio books, watch TED Talks. Um, it's, it's, it's massive. Uh, giving to other people uh, is a huge one for your mental health. It really improves it. Taking time to reflect and being mindful of the moment. Being present in moments, taking time out to think. Uh, again, devices. Devices are such a nightmare for this whole life thing because it disrupts our sleep, it affects our brain wiring, it affects our mental health. Be aware of how you use your device. Honestly, it's, it, I'm really concerned about what's going to happen to the future of our country because of devices. Um, next one, our emotional well-being. Being aware of who you are, knowing how to manage yourself. As I said before, StrengthsFind is a really good tool for that. There's loads of personality tools. Um, have a look at that. Knowing who you are and knowing what your triggers are, um, what's going to get you irritable, and all those things are really, really important. Um, you need to spend at least four hours a day with people whose company you enjoy. Now, the only place really where you regularly spend four hours a day is the place that you work. And so it's really important that the people that you work with are people whose company you enjoy being in and energize you. And so have a think about that. How do you position yourself to be spending four hours a day with people whose company you enjoy? Also, managing stress and its causes is really important. It goes back to knowing yourself, knowing what energizes you and gives you energy. And finding balance in your life. Finding this balance of work and rest. Finding a balance of being on your own and time with others. Um, next one. Financial well-being. I'm not going to talk on this for very long. You know, your financial situation is really important because if your financial situation is difficult or negative, then actually that's going to have an effect on all the rest of the other things. Your stress levels go up, your anxiety levels go up. Um, but actually, financial um, well-being is not about how much you earn. It's about spending less than you earn. It's about managing that well. I would, again, I would recommend CAP. Christians Against Poverty are incredible and you don't have to wait until you're in debt to go and speak to them. They do amazing courses. They're absolutely brilliant. So financial well-being is actually really, really important. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Do, uh, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of, the serv of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. Uh, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that 
at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So as we look at us, all of this is spiritual. All of, all of who we are, this isn't just like a section, but as we become spiritual leaders, in that verse you see these three things, obedience, humility, and service. As we are pursuing Jesus and we are looking for all of our lives to come into line, you know, if, if we are not seeing these characteristics growing and reflected in our leadership and who we are, and actually in the people that we're leading, because our, the people who we're leading will become to look like the leaders that they follow, then that's a real, a real sense that something might be out of kilter somewhere else. This is about getting mentors. This is about having regular devotional time. This is about being plugged into community. Um, this is about all of the stuff that you guys will know inside out, and we have been talking about this week, but it's such an important part uh, of who we are. The next one is one I just want to dwell on for a few minutes. We're coming into land uh, in a second. But your work well-being is really important. I've talked a lot about rest. Um, Work is really vital as well. Um, you know, God gave us work before the fall. Often I think we can think, oh gosh, I have to go and do this now. I have to go and do this job. All I want to do is set up a Pinterest account or be a YouTuber and I have to go to work and earn money. Um, but God gave us work before the fall. We were created for work. We were created to do that. I think us not enjoying it all the time, that might be a result of the fall. The work itself is not. Um, this doesn't yeah, necessarily mean paid work, but Something I just want to highlight, you know, in the Bible, we see the words work and worship, and actually they come from the same root, the same word. Um, in Exodus 34, 21, it says, six days you shall work, and the work is avada, is the word. Um, in Psalm 104, 23, then a man goes out to his work, avada, to his labor until evening. And then in Exodus 8, verse 1, it says, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they may worship me, avada. This idea of worship and work is the same thing. Um, and I think that this helps me in my attitude towards work. When things are difficult, when things struggle, actually this is my act of worship towards God. This is the thing that God has planted in me. We are created as humans. We cannot help but worship. And you know we cannot help but work. We create. We naturally create. We naturally work. It's part of our reflecting the image of our creator. Um, the first mention of the Spirit of God being in people is when they worked on the tabernacle. God calls creatives, carpenters, artists together to begin to form the temple of God. Um, and being filled with the Spirit is this worship piece, is this work piece. And we are all created to be creatives. If you're a teacher, if you're a lawyer, if you're a nurse, if you're an artist or a musician, we are all creatives. We just paint with different mediums. And so what is the worship, what is the creative that God has put in you, and how do we do that well and brilliantly? Worship is a key, sorry, work is a key element of our worship, and much of our well-being depends on our work well-being, because that is where we give so much of our time. If you divide your time up like a pie chart, that is where so much of it goes. So, ingredients for this, if we could go to the next slide, is first of all, passion. It's really important that the work that you do is something that you are passionate about. Something that matters to you. Something that says, do you know what? When I die, I want this thing to be different. Something that if this thing isn't done, it makes you mad. If I see churches that just don't uh, care about young people, if I see churches that don't do outreach to young people, I get angry. It makes me mad because I'm passionate about it. Passion is really important in your work life and in what you do. Next thing. 
Next slide, please. Passion is not enough. I can be really passionate about something, but if I'm not good at it, it's not going to be a blessing to anyone. I might be really passionate about singing, but I am not a good singer. And so actually, that is not going to be a blessing to anyone. So what you do, your work needs to be something that you're passionate about, but also something that you're gifted in. And again, this comes back to knowing ourselves. However, if it's just those two things, it's indulgent. So we need to be passionate, we need to be good at it, but it also needs to serve other people. That is how God has wired us. That is what our act of worship looks like. Something that we're passionate about, that breaks our hearts. Something that we have gifting at. That whole thing of what is it that God has called you to do. But also something that serves the kingdom of God, serves God and serves other people. And so, uh, to finish, if we could go to the next slide. Uh, And maybe just click a bit and those circles might fill in. Could you click to the next slide? See if this is an animated one. No, empty circles, everyone loves it. Okay, so um, what was in those circles are the uh, elements of what we were talking about. So our physical well-being, our mental well-being, emotional well-being, financial well-being, spiritual well-being, work well-being. Um, could you just have, imagining that those things are in those circles, just hold those in your mind. Could you turn to the person next to you and just chat through maybe those two questions as we finish? So... Um, As we finish, I would like to just read this Bible verse again, if we go to the next slide. Galatians 6, verses 4 to 5. Make a careful exploration of who you are, and then the work that you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself to others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. What are the rhythms that you need? What are the things that energize you? What is your passion? You know, when you're passionate about something, you will work longer for it and it will feel effortless. Do you spend over four hours a day with people that energize you and you enjoy being with? How's your sleep? What did you have for breakfast this morning? All of these things build into who God is creating you to be as a leader. And all of these things, if we can nail them, are the things that are going to keep us going in ministry for longer. Keep us going as members of our family for longer. Going to keep us going as faithful, loyal friends for longer. And so it's really important that we consider these things and how all these things affect who we are and who God is calling us to be, making the creative best of who we are. Uh, We're just going to quickly do a little Q&A around this. Are there any things that you think, that's great, but I don't understand how that's feasible? Or how do you do this? What's a rhythm that's in your life that's been really helpful? Uh, These guys are so wise. Um... Are there any questions around the, the, any of these elements that you think actually this would be a really good opportunity to learn from others? Yeah. How do you guys practically in your daily weeks or daily lives um, really practice the Sabbath and the daily office in your practices? Because I know it's super important to do, yet traditionally to an extent Sunday is seen as the Sabbath for many. Yeah, if you're working in ministry, that's not necessarily true. So how would you, practical tips around Sabbath and daily office, really, as well? Uh, I think, obviously, if you're in ministry, Sunday is not going to be Sabbath, it's your busiest day. So uh, my Sabbath is Monday, uh, and on, my honest answer is my wife makes me. So she literally takes my phone off me um, and makes me do things. So just get married to a good woman. <laughs> 
My, um, yeah, I work on Sunday as well. So my Sabbath, uh, I, I call it a flexi Sabbath. It's either Friday or Saturday, but it's one of them. Um, and I make sure of that. And I, um, I think it's so important to follow. And actually, I went to a talk a few weeks ago, and this guy was saying, like, he will religiously stick to it. And if someone asks him to do something work-wise on a Sabbath, he says, do you want me to commit adultery as well? He values it like that, um, which is heavy because it's, you know, it, it's, uh, it's in there amongst them. But I, um, and I, I think it's deadly important, but I have it between the Friday and Saturday because sometimes all the church event on the Saturday, etc. But I think it's, it's just so key. And I have um, one or two times I've broken it. Um, just relationship and energy and everything breaks down. And again, my, I used to be awful at relaxing as well. Um, but again, my wife helped me out. So again, marriage helps. Um, yeah, so similar to George, uh, for me it would be a Friday or Saturday, but what I've often done, um, because I don't work on a Friday, but my wife does, is that like the Jews, we would actually start our Sabbath on the Friday evening and then finish Saturday evening. So it means that for me, if I know I've got to prepare a preach or work for Sunday, I've got the Saturday evening to do it. So uh, we start our Sabbath on a Friday evening by having, we actually call it a Sabbath meal. And for my kids, they look forward to it because it's the nicest meal of the week. <laughs> like we do dessert, you know, we make sure there's candles on the table. So we just really make something special of it. So that would be something that I would suggest, like make something special of your Sabbath. And then the second thing that comes to mind is I consciously do things more slowly, like even literally, if I go out for a walk, I walk more slowly because I'm always rushing. Ask the people that know me. I'm always like running or walking fast. So I consciously slow down in any of the activity that I do on my Sabbath. Uh, there's a great book called Simplify um, by Bill Hybels, which is amazing. And the biggest takeaway from that for me was finding out what fills my bucket. So like Laura sort of alluded to, the thing she loves to do is walk in the countryside. Someone else, that's how. So, like, what is your thing that is really going to energize you? Um, and not just Netflix. Uh, it might for some people, but there's, there's almost like um, a draining rest. So I'll polish off a box set easy in a day on a Sabbath, but I won't feel rested, even though I've not moved or not done anything. So find out the thing, if it's reading or, or it might even be running, whatever, that fills your bucket. But simplify, great. great book. It's great. De- deeply energizes you. That's brilliant. Are there other, other questions? Can you just explain a little bit about some of the stuff we've talked about before to do with boundaries around smartphone and messages? Because I think if you're at the head of any kind of ministry, even if it's a ministry department, you'll always get way more inbound contact than you can ever really, if you allow yourself to meet that every time it comes in, you know, you'll never have any real rhythm to your day. So can you, can you share a little bit around some of the changes and positive changes I know you made when it comes to how you manage your messages and notifications and things like that? Yeah, I don't know that I get it uh, right all the time, to be honest. But I, I was just reflecting, just as you were talking, that you know, six, seven, eight years ago, for one, we didn't have smartphones, and we didn't have multiple communication options. I just think about the number of apps that we regularly use to stay in touch. It's exhausting, actually. And you know, so whereas, like a 50-year-old person um, who receives a text from me will text straight back, if I text somebody who's 22, they probably won't get back to me for several hours or for the next day, because, do you know what I mean? You, you're just, like, inundated with so many different notifications. Um, so, practically, I have all my notifications off. 
um, except for iMessage <laughs> and text messages. And so I'll just decide at periodic times during the day to check those other apps. If somebody really needs me, they'll call me, right? Um, so that was just, that's really simple, right? That's not uh, anything um, amazing. But yeah, that's been helpful. Uh, and for me, the other thing, which is really, again, down to my wife, so get married, um, is just about being present when I'm in the home with my family, so not on my phone. Uh, so sometimes I surreptitiously go into another room um, just to check something. But it's more just so that my kids don't have the language, which I've heard them say before, oh, dad's always on his phone. Um, so when I'm in the home with my family, I'm really there with them. Um, so just on top of that as well, what I was saying about not having your phone in your bedroom, I know I've already said it, but it's such a big deal. Um, having your phone in your room at night, it, it, it's a nightmare. Like, no, nah, you know. But get rid of it. Get rid of it. Plug it into the landing. Put it in a spare room. Put it in the living room. Leave it somewhere else. The other thing I would say is I had... I, you know those moments you see something and you're shocked at yourself? I was in the middle of talking to someone, and my phone rang, and they stopped talking to me. I was like, what were you saying? Like, oh, aren't you going to answer that? Somehow... This has become a priority of who is in front of my face. It's socially acceptable when someone is talking to you for you to completely ignore them, turn your back and answer your phone. And no one thinks any, any less of it. Um, prioritize. Yeah, those who are older, yeah, they think it's rude. And it is rude. And I know I, I'm old, but it is rude. Like, I think it's really important we value the people in front of us. When we go out for meals, I, I'm aware that I will sit there, knife, fork, phone. Like, what does it look like to put my phone in my bag and put it on silent? We have a rule that when we go out for a meal with people, we all put our phones in a pile, and the first person to pick, that, pick their phone up during the meal without permission pays the bill. Like, what does it mean to just go, no, I am genuinely prioritizing the person in front of me, and that is where it is. So I think it's a message request. Someone is requesting to contact you. It doesn't need to dictate what you do. Do you guys want to say? Yeah, I was going to say, I tried um, having my phone out of the room from about 18 months ago. Uh, when I sleep, and it's the best thing, because when you have your phone there, you s your day begins with what you see, um, and you have no control over that. So whether it's either work, whether it's friends, whether it's a, a terrible news article, whatever it is, your day begins with that, and that sets the tone for your day. And as Christians, Jesus set the tone for the day, not our phone. So actually, leave it, honestly. Let that be the thing that you take away from this. Out of the phone, and then start with the Bible, and that will that just that will revolutionize life. Hey, I'm, I'm like most leaders here who kind of serve in the church. I, I, my, I just kind of do worship, and that's it, really. So um, my kind of question is, I kind of work two jobs outside of serving at church, and my week is extremely busy. Um, yeah, just some advice on how do I manage time? Because you kind of think, okay, I've got to, got to work my main job, work the job that pays bills. I've got to hang out with friends. I've got to serve at church, serve at young adults, serve in the worship team, go to this meeting, that meeting. And it ends up being, what am I doing? What, what do I let go of? What do I hold on? God, I love you, but you've told me to pursue this job. But I need to pay bills, and that's kind of where my head's at. Um, so for me, I think I would think, okay, my key is scheduling. I've got to be amazingly good and persistent at my scheduling. So I have an online diary. Check it every day several times. What have I got on? And if I forget to check it, then I usually forget to go to something that I need to be at. And so I'll schedule in the times when I am going to, like, so I've got um, scheduled in date time with my wife. I've got scheduled in family time. 
Um, and so those dates, they go in first. Um, so I guess maybe some of it's around, you know, and I appreciate there's so many people in your position doing that kind of balancing act of same several jobs and your service in church and your friends. So yeah, maybe it's, it, my dad actually did this with my mum on a weekly basis on a Sunday night. They sat down just for like half an hour. He called it family planning, which I thought was hilarious. And, um, but it's just really practical and simple and it was something he had every week. Okay, what's coming up in the next week? Who do we want to spend time with? Um, you know, um, what commitments have we got this week? And just making sure that there was going to be a good balance in the coming week. Yeah, because otherwise what you get is, oh, it'd be great to hang out. You know, and then you feel this pressure to immediately say, so, yeah, let's fix the date. Um, but if you've got the important things already in your diary, then, yeah, you can say no if you need to. I think just on that, one of the biggest um, things that helped me, uh, so I was in your position actually a few years ago, and um, I decided to work full-time for my church, but I didn't get paid right, at all. Um, and sometimes that pays off into a pay position, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but learn to say no to things. Mm. So you can feel an obligation to do something, um, but your priority is actually to go and earn money to pay your bills as well. Uh, if you love doing it, so so there's a thing where there's a the serving and you, and you feel put on, but it can also energise you as well. Yeah. But it's making sure you can pay the bills. So it's what you what you pay to do, what you're made to do, and um, not just obviously be a Christian is what you're made to do, but what is your calling in and, and vocation? And sometimes that won't pay the bills, and sometimes it will. But it's all about priorities. That's great. And uh, yeah, just dead quick addition. Um, so I, I volunteer at church. I do three or four youth groups a week and do my job, which is more than nine to five. And I think for me, it's scheduling in rest and stillness because I am constantly going all the time. Go, 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 go. Um, so con- like regu- regular stillness and regular reassessment. Stillness for me, stillness for me is quiet. Stillness for me is going for a walk. Yeah, it's absolute. I will sit in my living room on my sofa. With no noise, nothing on in the background. Or just be still. Like, I will, I will have my phone in a different room. And I will also, I'm driving. Driving is, I love driving. Just silence. Um, not filling my head with stuff. Um, and having good food. And just chilling. And um, regularly, regularly going, why am I doing each of the things I've committed to do? And am I still called to do that? Um, and actually, you, sometimes you pull out of stuff in order to create capacity for the new. Yeah. Sorry, just one quick addition. Um, I think it's important to have a micro and a macro view of things. And we've just said a lot about rhythms, of the rhythms you're in now. But it's also be aware of the bigger seasons as well. So um, that we had lots of hands-on practical for now. But also be aware that what you're doing as a season now will be different in two to three years' it's time. really good. And so sometimes you can last longer in something that's stretching, knowing that's not forever. A little bit, but it's just about um, ministry and family balance. Um, I'm getting married in August. Yay. Um, what, I guess the question is, what mistakes um, did you, if any, make maybe like in the first kind of years if you were in ministry and married at the same time? Um, what what um, advice could you give? Yeah. Um, so I didn't know the sort of love languages talk that is very common now. Um, so I thought about really... I kind of thought, this is what I think she wants from me in terms of the way that I show her my love. And so um, 
actually what she wanted most of all was quality time. And, and I wasn't giving that to Rachel. And so I was always out, you know. And so for me, it would be, you know, do you really know what your girlfriend, your fiance, your wife, your husband um, loves and needs? And, and seek to give and meet and serve those needs. Um, yeah, so that would be my, one of my biggest lessons learned. Mike, do you have anything? Um, so my, my wife's also a minister, she's a pastor. Um, something that for us, I know you work at church, so something for us is don't take church home. Um, so we, we would have like elders meetings around the table, just the two of us, and like let the elders know uh, and, and stuff. <laughs> Uh, but honestly, like we, little things will you, keep you awake at night. So uh, just box it off. And now it's different. We've got two kids, two three-year-olds. Um, uh, and make sure that you have, you have a life outside of church because it could be consuming. Like you guys know that everything you do is about church. You speak about church. All your friends are in church. Um, so for me, that's rugby. I love watching rugby, going to the rugby. Um, and, and making sure that I've got a family day. So make sure there's a day where... Uh, you and your wife can go out and, and eat and, and don't talk about church, just not at all. Even good things, just shut it down. I was going to say that, so I'm going to say another thing. Um, we um, learned not to compare our days relatively. So my wife is a blood cancer That's nurse. Good. So I would come home from work being like, oh, so-and-so cancel on the rotor. And Bex would say, three of you died on me today. And for a while, I was sort of like, oh, I can't have a bad day because my bad day is nothing compared. But actually what we learned was it's relative to what you're experiencing. Um, and I'm okay to feel by that. And, uh, but, and it's not like less because she said worse. So just sort of, it's all relative. Uh, four dead quick things. Um, first of all, get a dishwasher. Like, transform a marriage. Um, second thing, a date night. It's obvious, but sticking to that is more tricky than it sounds. Third thing, if you are in ministry and you're married, uh, find people that aren't in your church that you can have really healthy conversation with that, about your church leadership. And what I mean by that is, um, as you will have imagined from the beginning of this week, there were times in our church when Leon made decisions about my husband that made me mad. And normally someone might go to their church pastor about that. Now, obviously, I can't do that. If Andy walked into my workplace and had a go at my boss, I would be mortified. And so it's really important to find a couple outside of your circle, outside of your church, that you can unpack some of the stuff that everyone else would take to their church leadership about. It's really helpful. Fourth thing, if you are single, we have said a lot about marriage. If you are single, these rhythms are deeply, deeply important because if you're single and you're choosing to stay single and that was what God has for you, you don't have anyone to keep you accountable on this. And so actually for you, it's really vital that you you have the, because people, I, I think if people are single, often people can really take advantage of that and go, oh, well, well they don't need to spend time with that. We've got a card. Oh, I need to spend time with my husband. Card. Ha, can't come back on that one. If you're single, I think sometimes you feel like you're obligated. Oh, I have to do more. I have to pitch up at that. I can't use that excuse. If you're single, these, these rhythms deeply matter and God is holding you accountable to them. And so please don't feel that you have to burn yourself into the ground because you've got an excuse, not got an excuse not to. Um, have friends, put a community around you. Make sure these things are in place because you need to look after yourself. You really, really do. And community is so vital. 
Um, finding those people that will walk alongside you, that will be with you, that will love you, that will hold you accountable um, is really important. Can we thank these guys uh, for being vulnerable and sharing? That our attention needs to always turn back to Jesus. He's our, our north point. He's our, he's our fixed point that we need to, to always recognize and go forward in. But Jesus, I just thank you for everything that has been spoken uh, just in these four walls over the last four days. I thank you for the relationships that have started to form, the friendships, God. I thank you for the discussions that have been had and the thought process, processes that have been ignited as we've, we've listened not only to Laura's session today, but the sessions over the last few days, God. I pray that we can really put some of this practical stuff into to focus. I pray we don't just hear these good things and don't do anything about it. We want to be a people of action, Father God. We want to be at our very best for you, Lord. We want to make a difference where we are, where we're placed. And Lord, for every heart, every person in this room, I pray, Lord, as we enter into this time of worship, you just speak to us, God. You speak to us in a whisper. You stir our hearts. You move our lives, Lord. Why don't you just say your own prayer as we're just going to have a little musical interlude before we begin to sing you may want to pray with the person next to you if you're comfortable with that do that you may just want to have a time of stillness as as something maybe was brought to your mind or your heart this afternoon so just take a moment Are you hurting and broken within? 